Thanks for tuning in to the Drive On Podcast, where we're focused on giving hope and strength to the entire military community. Whether you're a veteran, active duty, guard, reserve, or a family member, this podcast will share inspirational stories and resources that are useful to you. I'm your host, Scott Lucio, and now let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Drive On Podcast. Today, my guest is J.R. Smith. JR is the vice president of the Veterans Ranch, where they provide healing workshops for veterans through the use of horses. JR joins us today to discuss the work that the Veterans Ranch does and how it's been helping veterans and how it can help the listeners or your loved ones if they're in need of this type of service. So without further ado, welcome to the show, JR. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here and Welcome to everybody out there watching and listening today. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, a little bit about who you are, just for the listeners who may not be familiar with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I'm JR, originally a Midwestern boy, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, moved to Florida in 1999, met my lovely wife of now 22 years. I heard native Floridians were hard to come by, so I found one I liked it, plucked her out of the pack. But been in and around, you know, country living my whole life. I, I was, it was always funny. I was the country boy that grew up in the county, right? In the eighties in St. Louis, hell, almost anywhere in the eighties, unless you lived in that climate, boots, buckles, and hats wasn't really the thing, right? You were looked at funny. Now, certain cities I walk into, I still get looked at funny, but definitely did the eighties. But I was always more comfortable out in the woods, more comfortable on Boy Scout trips, hunting trips, and all that kind of stuff. I love where I grew up, don't get me wrong, but was always more comfortable with my head in the woods. So when we moved down here in 1999, my family, my mom and dad and everything moved shortly right behind me. And my dad's a Vietnam vet. His dad was a World War II vet. Uh, my dad's brother was in the Navy Vietnam era. It's just his ship didn't go back to Vietnam at the time. So I'm a Gen Xer that was raised by Vietnam parents who had World War II parents who had post-depression parents. Essentially, what you always hear about Gen Xers are, this is when you're born, this is when you die. We don't care about your feelings. Go make a difference in that dash in between, you know, and that's our legacy. That's what the Veterans Ranch is to us. That's our dash. We got, for a long time, we've been sick and tired of being sick and tired of seeing how our veterans were treated when they got back. Yes, there's a thank you for your service, buy a cup of coffee, those kind of things. But the, honestly, how certain organizations treat them, deny till you die, here's another pill. My dad's been fighting certain things since 2013 and still trying to get improvements on things, but slow the drip, where's the marble is the government, right? So we knew there were other ways and other things that could help the veteran community. And this coming from a proud patriot, my wife and I are patriots. We're the 99% that support y'all, the one percenters that wore the uniform. We love dogs. We, there's a lot of amazing dog programs out there. I've personally had a dog in my house since I was about eight years old and I'm now 49. That being said, horses have an intuitiveness to them. If y'all watch Yellowstone, you've heard of where they talk about it, but we've been preaching this long before that was ever a show. Horses can feel a gnat land on their back. That means they know everything about you 10 feet away right? There's actually been studies done where horses will get their 
heart rhythm in line with your heart rhythm. You know, they're just absolutely amazing animals. So we were looking for something to do with veterans and with horses, had no idea what direction to go. Well, my dad always taught me to keep a legal pad by the bed in case you get an idea in the middle of the night. Had a lot of legal pads that really didn't go anywhere. This one legal pad has one word scribbled on it. It says ranch. I almost couldn't read it the next morning. It was like three o'clock in the morning, October of 17th. Now, my wife and I always wanted a couple of horses, our little slice of Americana. The word ranch as we know it. You think these big Florida, Texas ranches and things like that. That didn't really come into our mindset. But the good Lord works in mysterious ways. We're going to Bass Pro Shops one day. A few weeks later, we stop at Chili's for lunch. I asked my wife for a pen. I take every napkin that's on the table and start writing down ideas. Long and short of it, about 20 Chili's napkins later, the ideas for the Veterans Ranch was born. And by December of 17, we were an official nonprofit, right? Now it was complete out of the pan into the fire. We knew what a nonprofit was, but now we had to get our message out there and let people know we existed. At that time, in a world of about, oh, 35,000 nonprofits that existed that deal with veterans. Well, there's now over 46,000 nonprofits out there that deal with veterans. So we have to have a loud megaphone to keep our voice out there. Here's what we do. We're going to start by simply putting one of these in your hands, a grooming brush. Okay, now there's about four or five different types of these depending on the part of the horse you're grooming or how dirty the horse is or anything at the time. The point is we're going to start putting a grooming brush in your hand, get you to start working a rhythmic motion of grooming that horse. Now, what are you doing? You're putting your hands on the horse. You're feeling the horse. The horse is feeling you're getting to know each other. But inevitably, what you're doing is you start forgetting about the world. I've been in sales since I was 18 before I started doing this. And let's face it, I'm selling you right now. The whole point of what we used to always say is leave your baggage at the door when you start your shift. It'll be there when you get back. And hopefully you pick up a little less of it when you leave. That's the point of what we're trying to do with the horses. Get you to lay down heavy coats of burden and walk off a new and improved version of yourself. That's the key. And it's interesting how intuitive the horses are and how they're able to pick up on little subtle things that you and I, we wouldn't perceive some of these things. You, you said how they could get their heart rate in tune with the person who's standing next to them, or even a little gnat landing on their back, such huge animals. And they notice this little teeny tiny, uh, almost microscopic organism landing on them, right? It, it just almost doesn't seem to make sense that they would do that. But at the same time, I, I can see how working with a horse, so an animal that is just naturally probably going to be a little bit more skittish. They're more of a prey animal than they are a, a predator and anyways, right? So just in their nature, they're going to be a little more skittish and mm -hmm. maybe less trusting of someone. So if you're walking up to them with this big ball of tension and, and everything, they're probably not going to be so willing to just stand there and let you groom them or anything like that, right? Yeah, it's exactly right. You know, when you said horses are prey animals, it's right on the money. They're pack animals out in the wild. If you see a pack of wild mustangs, there's always one leader, right? 
but they travel in packs because of safety in numbers, because a horse's defense mechanisms are bite you or kick you. That hurts like hell if you've ever had any one of those things happen. But if something's trying to kill you, that's not much of a defense mechanism. So you're walking up to a horse and you're nervous. You're angry. Not at anything in particular. You're just angry at the world. The horse is going to project what you're feeling back to you. So it might kind of rear up or not want you to touch it or try and bite you or kick you because... A horse wants to know two things. This is a horse in a nutshell. Are you strong enough to be my leader? And are you going to hurt me? Now you'll spend your whole life working on that with your own horse. Imagine you just met one five minutes ago and you're only working with it maybe 30 minutes or an hour. Now think about how fast you got to do it. But at the same time, you got to slow yourself down. You got to stop thinking about thinking, right? And just start mellow it out to a point where that horse goes starts licking his lips and start feeling what you're feeling okay he's relaxed so now i can come up to him or her a little bit and see where we're at from there yeah and just thinking about things from the horse's perspective right i I know we we can't put ourselves in the horse's mind or their body or anything like that to know exactly what they're thinking but just watching some of those nature shows, when you see the, the predator who's about to go pounce on whatever the animal is, the prey, mm-hmm. right? They're coiled up, right? They, they're, they're like creeping up and they, they like kind of lean back and they're all coiled up like this big ball of energy and then they pounce, right? I'm not so sure if a horse can tell the difference between coiling up to go and pounce or that that energy that you're releasing, that anger or, or things like that. Maybe they can, but I got to imagine that they probably still have some similar, some similar hesitation to being around that type of a person, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it, we all have the fight or flight syndrome, right? Well, a horse's flight 99% of the time. If it doesn't know what its situation is going to be, it's just easier to run away. Yeah. And it is to, because you can't really stand fighting. It's no different than us as people, okay? If you're doing something and all of a sudden just out of that corner of your eye or you get that sixth sense that something's going on and it could just be one of your buddies coming to mess with you, right? They're coming to run up to you real fast. What happens? You get in that sometimes fight and flight at the same time. You're like, hey, and that's exactly what a horse feels. A horse doesn't know maybe exactly what's going on. But it just knows it doesn't feel comfortable in the situation. It's situational awareness times 10 is a horse. Yeah. And it seems like the, the horses are so well in tune to that situational awareness to the point that we maybe can't even comprehend that they're able to let the person who's working with them kind of know, Hey, pump the brakes there with whatever it is that you're doing right now, because that's not okay with me. And, and that might be a good trigger to help the veteran or whoever is working with them to let them know, okay, well, maybe I really need to focus more on what I'm doing here and not be so much in my head, right? That's the key. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You got to stop thinking about thinking. You have to give yourself to the horse. One of my favorite horse trainers, Chris Cox out of Texas. He says all the time, we always try and put more man into the horse. We need to put more horse into the man is what you really need. You need to listen 
to what that horse is telling you, but it's not with these, it's with this, right? It's your heart feeling what that horse is doing. You'll know when that horse relaxes, you'll know when that horse tenses up because then you tend to tense up sometimes. And then the horse tenses up even more and you're going to be like, oh crap, I got to relax. I've had people, a brief story. We did a trail ride here about two years ago. And we always pair everybody up with their horse, make sure they're comfortable, give them some brief riding lessons. Because on trail rides, it's pretty simple. One horse follows the other for the most part. But we like to make sure just in case everybody has the basics of horsemanship. We had a married couple. He was active duty Air Force. She was retired Air Force. (laughs) Now she'd ridden dressage for like 20 years. She was at her element. Well, hey, we always bring... You can't tell me sitting here, okay? I'm 6'4 and 260. We always bring a big boy horse down for guys my size. We brought a Belgian, okay? Now, for everybody that may not be familiar with different types of horses, we all know what a Budweiser Clydesdale looks like, right? Shrink that horse down just a little bit, and that's a Belgian, okay? They're work horses. They were plow horses, but things of that nature. So, but they're gentle giants, truly gentle giants. So we're getting everybody paired up. And the woman, uh, the wife comes over to me, Jerry, you got to help me. He's cursing me out. He's mad. He wants to go home. He's all upset. Da, 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 da. Well, we paired him next to the Belgian. Here's what I didn't tell you. He's five, five with boots on. Okay. I'm looking at withers, which is what the horse's shoulders are at eye level. This dude's like looking at ribs. Okay. I will never speak to anyone like I wear the uniform. Will not you know, have that level of disrespect. I always have veterans with, I brought a Marine with me. I guess Marines just love to make fun of airmen, the, the general ribbing between branches. Right. And, uh, I'm telling him what's going on. He starts laughing and I'm like, oh crap, I don't know where we're going with this, but I'm like, you got this. He's like, oh, I got this on the air. I'll, I'll respectfully clean up what he said, but he's like, what's wrong with you airmen? You wuss can't get up on a horse. You're going to go back to Okinawa and you can't get up on a horse. What the hell's wrong with you? Uniform to uniform, you could break him down a little bit, right? That didn't last too long because we weren't trying to make the situation worse. He just wanted him to think about something else other than that horse for a second. So we said, what's wrong? Seriously. He goes, guys, I'm from the Bronx. All he had to say. We all started laughing at that point. We knew what he meant. He's city boy. Through and through, city boy. He'd never seen the Mounted Patrol in Central Park. He said, dogs running through the neighborhood were strays, and you want me to get on this thing? Long story short, we get him on the horse. We finally, about 30 minutes later, get him comfortable, getting the horse to relax, letting him see how when he would breathe, the horse would breathe. We send him out on the ride, made sure we had an experienced rider front and back of him, just in case. He comes back. Ear to ear grin on his face. We had coolers full of Powerade and water and stuff like that. We get him off the horse. Needless to say, he's walking a little funny. So we're razzing him about that. And he said, can I ask you a uh, question? We said, yeah, sure. He said, well, let me go get a Powerade. He comes back and he says, can I go out on the next ride? His wife was in immediate tears. Okay. That's the good Lord and the horse coming together. We don't take credit for any of that stuff, right? I mean, he just said, here's, go for it, go do this. And we bring everybody together. He went out on the second ride. 
we asked the guy whose place we were using for the day, we said, Hey, you got any frozen peas in the freezer? <laughs> he came back. We tossed him a bag of frozen peas. He's kind of like, screw you guys, but you have no idea how much that helps. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is that guy was able to overcome a fear. He didn't even realize was a fear. And was able to go back out to Okinawa with his chest stuck out a little further saying, man, y'all ain't going to believe what I just did over the weekend. Right. That's, and that's the power of what we do. It, it is powerful too, because it, it just goes to show that it, it's not just for the country boys or, or girls, right? It, mm -hmm. It's for anybody really, the, the kid from the Bronx or from LA or from wherever. I mean, they can find some benefit in this. They can overcome fears. Even like you said, fears that they didn't even know they had. They may end up overcoming those fears just by literally getting on the horse and going for a ride. And if you can do something like that, which such big, powerful animals that can really, I mean, at the end of the day, if they wanted to, they could do some serious damage to you, right? And if you can overcome that fear and get on the horse, go for the ride, what's stopping you from doing just about anything else, right? That just seems so powerful. That's the key. A lot of people don't realize how they, unless you're in the horse world, how they measure horses. When they say a horse is 18 hands, they measure it like this. Okay. So this is what, about four or five inches. So it's one hand, two hand, three hand. This horse was about 19 hands. Okay, it's from the hoof to the withers, top of their shoulders. Okay. And I mean, I use stairs getting on a horse like that. And I'm 6'4". So, you know, we definitely had him use the stairs. But that's the key. Here's an animal that can literally give you the ride of your life, can put you in the dirt, can do all kinds of things, but can teach you so many things about life, leadership, partnership, that you don't learn in a lot of places because it's just not taught as widely as it used to be back in the day. And that's just truly the key of letting go of whatever you're hanging. I, everything I talk about, I learned from veterans. I had a veteran tell me one time his definition of laying down heavy coats of earth when it comes to horses. He said, look, the demons are going to come. It's inherent. But when they come, you don't let them take you to the dark places they once took you. You process the information differently because it's not better or worse. It's just different. So you can compartmentalize it, deal with it, put it aside and reach back and help that next veteran and help them and teach them how to help others. So now fellow veterans are not in isolation. It's not shut down and isolate and compartmentalize all that stuff and just shove it down. You're reaching back and helping fellow brothers and sisters go, Hey, I've been there. I know where you're at. I got a program for you that's going to help. You may think it won't trust me because veterans will trust other veterans more than they'll trust me. I've got the biggest heart in the world, but I didn't walk in their boots. Right. And that, that's a good point too, because if someone comes out to your ranch, they work with the horses for a period of time. And I want to get a little bit more into the, the program and what you guys actually do too, but it's not like they're taking the horse home with them, that they're going to be uh, having this horse available to them to just pick up anytime they're having a bad day and just start working with them to 
get them focused and, and let go of whatever that burden is that they're carrying. So ultimately they have to learn how to, uh, work with, work through whatever it is that they're dealing with in a healthy way. Right. So then they can take that and help other people out. And, and this has that, that exponential, like kind of multiplying effect where you help this one person, that one person can then go help 10 more people. And then those 10 people help 10 more people. And then it just blows up from there. Right. Yeah. It's a butterfly effect. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's a good point. So, so what exactly is the program? So if I'm a veteran, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff and I, I want to get involved with the veterans ranch and, and work with some horses to see how that might help me. What, what's the steps look like? What, what is the whole uh, process uh, of these workshops that we go through? Sure. First thing's pretty simple. Obviously reach out to us, emails, contact at theveteransranch.org, or just hit us through the website itself, theveteransranch.org. You can do that. We just want to talk to you. We want to find out where you're at, find out if you need assistance with anything. There's usually some things that go in before, if they're willing to share that, right? I mean, we don't force anything on anybody. If you want to share, I'm good at flapping my gums, but when it comes to talking with veterans, God gave me two of these and one of these, I use these proportionally. I use them twice as much. Do you need any help? Because we have resources. I mean, I've got an eight page PDF document of vetted veteran organizations, meaning they do what the hell they say they're doing. And we might be able to get you some initial help with some things you need right off the bat. Then we're going to schedule different events. Okay. Right now we actually, for the last four and a half years, just so everybody's clear, we've been running this out of our home. Okay. I mean, we use other people's horses, other people's facilities as often as humanly possible to get out there and do stuff. So we'll do trail rides. What we're really into now, because I've taken some, some courses in it, is what's called liberty training. Liberty training is you, a horse, and a round pen, and a training flag. That's it. No lead ropes, no halters, meaning you can't pull and tug on that horse to try and get the horse to do what you want to do. You have to build the bond of trust with the horse to where you're working together. Okay, so... Not here too far back, beginning of the year, actually. We did a full weekend. It was camping, fishing, and Liberty Trail. It was really cool. We brought out about 20 vets and some plus ones because we work with the immediate household family, too. Because the family serves just as much as the one wearing the uniform. It's just a different brigade, right? They're wearing a different kind of uniform. So to give you another example, we start working in this big round pen. We have a whole plate smack in the middle of the round pen. Put the horse in, let the horse just kind of get comfortable with his surroundings. Then your job is to open up the gate. And if the horse, you talk about intuitiveness, okay, the horse turns his head and looks at you, you got to stop. You can't walk in. Like you just don't go, okay, I'm going to the center now. Because again, that horse doesn't know why you're coming towards it. So you start walking, start walking. Every time it looks at you, you got to stop till it quits paying attention to you. Get to the center of the arena. Then work on getting that horse to come to you, okay? Now, when that horse comes to you, you don't pet it like it's a dog because what people need to learn is horses learn in the release. What I mean by that is when you're trying to educate a horse on doing something, when it does something right, stop. Because then it goes, oh, they stopped. I must have done something right. They process the information when you stop teaching. 
So I'll give you an example. I was working with a wild rescued Mustang. I already told you my size. This horse was 15 hands and 1,200 pounds. Everybody's kidding around going, man, which alpha male's given up first in this arena, right? So I get the horse to come to me. I spent the next hour and a half working with this horse because Mustangs are more stubborn than almost anybody. We all heard the phrase stubborn as a mule. Well, Mustangs are right there (laughs) because they're used to being wild horses and doing whatever they want, whenever they want. So I start getting this horse after about 45 minutes and you want to keep the horse on the outside and you in the middle. Okay. But we're walking shoulder to shoulder. We're following each other. And like the words two guys going to have a beer. All right. And then I stop and I turn around on to go the other way. Well, he was sneaky. He cut behind me and now he's in the middle of the arena and I'm on the outside and everybody's like, oh, isn't that cute? The horse is leading JR around. So what do you got to do? You got to stop. You got to start over. Can't get mad or upset. You got to start, get back in the middle again and keep working. And then, so we were able to do that. And after about an hour, hour and a half, I eventually, I turned my back to the horse in the center of the arena. Now you really puzzle the horse because it's like, okay, he stopped, but he turned his back to me. He's not paying attention to me. Why? He comes over and he puts his head over my shoulder and lays his head right here, but still they're learning. So you still can't, you know, reach up and pet him like you want to. Eventually he works his way around. And then at a certain point, I'm able to pet him. We actually had a couple of veterans really make some serious breakthroughs during that weekend. They actually had two different horses actually come up and put their nose right in their chest. And they just melted. Now we can't run in and start group hugging and everything else because we're going to freak the horse out. We get them to come out of the arena slowly. And then we're all over supporting them, hugging them, loving them. I might be 6'4", 260, but I'm a big teddy bear, man. I, I'm right there with you, you know, because I'm trying to feel what you're feeling. Well, come to find out later that night around a campfire, because, you know, who doesn't talk around a campfire? He starts sharing his story. At 19 years old, he spent nine months in the Greg accused of something he didn't do. Now, at the end of that nine months, He was acquitted. All charges were dropped. They found out what was going on. But at 19 years old, man, that's got to mess with you. You just spent nine months in jail for something you knew you didn't do. And when that horse touched him right here, this guy now is in his late 20s, early 30s. So you're talking 10, 15 years down the road. It was still hanging on to it up here. Started melting that off. That's the kind of stuff we'll do throughout a weekend. Some days, It's just a simple trail ride. We show up, you're still getting familiar with your horse, but we're having fun. You're going out on the trail ride. I'm bringing out or I'm cooking some barbecue while we're there. Again, I'm originally from St. Louis. I know how to smoke me some meat and we'll just have a good time. Sometimes we bring out the mobile VA unit, see if anybody wants to share, get some information from someone. But I'm very clear on one thing. No tape recorders, no pencils. You better have a darn good memory if you want to remember something. Because how was it when we were kids? That's how I relate this. If you broke the lamp, dad knew who broke the lamp. But if you knew there were no repercussions, you'd admit you broke the lamp. Otherwise, your brother or sister did it. Or you didn't know who did it, right? That's why we ask counselors, please, 
do not record anything. Don't, if they want to share, let them share. Just let them get it off their chest. Now we will write letters um, on behalf of that veteran if they're trying to uh, step up another percentage in their benefits saying, hey, yeah, Bob went through uh, this class, made great improvement, is still continuing to come to the class. We feel he should get his, his advancement. But we will not say what we talked about. You know, we, that again, that's a bond of trust, especially between a civilian and a veteran. The fact that that veteran shared that with me that night, I take that as a pride. Most people have no idea how, not, not pride, humble, how humble I was that he felt comfortable enough with me to share that story with me. So those are just well, a few of the kind of things we'll do on events. Yeah. And talking about that trust, you have pretty much your whole organization is working with these horses to build trust, right? And then mm -hmm. if you go off and break that trust that you've built with these individuals, these veterans or their, their family members or whoever, then that kind of just goes against everything that you've been working towards. So it you exactly. know, makes sense. And, you know, of course you want to do right by the veterans. You want to do right by the people who are coming to you and, and trusting you with everything that you have to offer. And so it just makes sense that that's how you would operate. And it seems like that's exactly what you're doing. So for people who aren't sure if this is right for them, the city boys who, who might not know about whether or not they should be able to get out there working with horses or even if it would be beneficial to them. Are there certain issues that seem to work better through working with horses or certain personality types that are more agreeable with this type of type of work as opposed to uh, others? How can someone evaluate for themselves to determine if coming to you, coming to the Veterans Ranch even makes sense? Just get in touch with us and come out to an event. Try it. You'll like it. I mean, it's just, it's because it, I could talk about it all day long. When you experience it, it's an absolutely amazing thing. I was back in 2020 when the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo came to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I spent, I drove out there from Lakeland, Florida, which is halfway between Disney World and Tampa. I drove, spent 10 days out there promoting the charity because we're registered in Texas as well to do business there. So I got on a radio show and I'll plug a 12 and sideshow for 99% radio. Sideshow is a veteran. He said, he went through an equine therapy program. He said, JR, and he admitted this on the air, which is huge. He said, JR, I made more progress in 10 minutes with a horse than 10 years and three failed suicide attempts laying on the couch. I didn't know what to say. First of all, I didn't know he was going to say that. And second of all, it just, again, reinforces the power of the horse. Here's a guy. Now, this guy was another New Yorker. Okay. He may now live in Texas, but he's a New Yorker through and through. He's a city boy. So again, given the opportunity, and if you're willing to be teachable and coachable, we always talked about that in sales trainings, you got to be willing to give yourself to the horse willing to give up what you're hanging on to. And it, look, it's not perfect day one. I mean, good Lord, there wouldn't need to, I wouldn't need to be around that long. If I could just one episode with a horse and you're cured, it's an ongoing process. And people right now we're on a, about a, in four and a half years, we're on a 67% success rate of ones that actually admit to us that they have some kind of PTS going on. 
because that's the only way we can track it is if they admit it. And then the ones that come back and say, these things are really helping. We're on a 67% success rate. And for something I'm running out of my house, I couldn't be more proud of my wife, my dad, my advisory board that helps us with all this to get that kind of success rate going in such a short period of time. So just yeah. come on out and try us. Watch, just look around. See if it'd be something for you. And it's in incredible that in such a short time period since you started this, that you, you get that much success coming through there. And it was probably a little more difficult uh, a couple of years ago when, you know, people weren't willing to maybe travel quite as much and things like that. But yeah, tw I mean, 2020 was hell for just about everyone. I can imagine nonprofits were probably even worse off than a lot of other businesses, especially for in-person things. This is, to me, it sounds like just a great way of, of doing things. You're outdoors, you're, you're working with the animals. You're just putting in that effort to not only improve yourself, but improve the relationships that you have with other people by working through these horses. And one of the things that before we started recording, I mentioned is that I like to highlight uh, when I'll just call alternative treatment options, things that are uh, not your traditional talk therapy. We think about PTSD, other mental health conditions. And uh, a lot of times we just think of the people sitting on the couch in the therapist's office and, and like, that's the only option that that's out there. Right. Um, and, and there's some people who just aren't comfortable with that type of thing for one reason or another. So when I get the opportunity to, to talk to someone like yourself who provides an option outside of that traditional talk therapy type of thing, I'm excited to be able to sit, share this resource to hopefully reach more people and let them know that there are other options out there for them. And so with that said, where can people go to get in touch with you? Again, I, I know you mentioned the website before, but uh, if you have any other uh, ways that people can get in touch with you, that would be great. Where they can get in touch with you and, and find out more about the Veterans Ranch. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for having me on here today in our organization. We really like, as I said in the beginning, grassroots. Right now we're shaking hands, kissing babies, we're politicking, but we're telling the truth, right? So you can go to theveteransranch.org. We're on all the socials, probably ones you've never heard of or just starting to hear of. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter. Yeah, yeah we're out there. There's plenty of ways to find us and, and get out, reach out to us and get in touch with us. And if it's on your heart, if you're looking for a nonprofit to give to, even the Red Cross doesn't run on peaches, roses, and fluffy bunnies. They run on cash. And of course, we apply for grants and things, but those are guarantees that you'll get anything, or maybe you get partial funding, but it's usually a good, oh, six months sometimes before you find an answer on that. So here's what I'm asking everybody watching and listening today. This is the easiest request you're ever going to hear. We're asking for 22,000 people to go to that website and pledge $22 a month. It's less than one night out with a family of four for dinner. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I was even able to go out with me and my wife and my daughter for 22 bucks, right. right? With inflation being what it is now, we understand things are tough out there for people right now. Hey, I'm paying 125 bucks to fill up my F-350. I get it. But we can all find $22 a month to give to something that matters. You're saving lives. 
because our overall mission here that we haven't talked about yet, I'll kind of end with this, is the veteran suicide rate. We know 22 a day. Well, let me give you some truth. Since COVID, it's now 35 plus a day on average. 22 a day has sadly become a marketing campaign, push-up challenges, finger rings, braces, things of that nature. And you just hope that when you buy those things, the money's going to the right place. Well, folks, I can tell you right now, you pledge $22 a month to the Veterans Ranch, it's going to the right place. Because kiddingly, the word horse and sheep never go together. <laughs> so they don't. The veteransranch.org, check out the information. $22 a month is a small price to pay to help save veterans' lives. Absolutely. Well said. And I think for anyone who's listening out there, the link to the website and the social media will be in the show notes. So if you're interested in getting involved for yourself or a loved one who wants to get the benefit of equine therapy, work with the horses, definitely check out the website. And for anyone who feels like this is a worthy cause, who wants to support it. You're absolutely right. $22 a month. It seems like these days that that can go a long way. And you're right. It's less than the cost of going out to even a cheaper meal. <laughs> you're not going to get it for that much. So definitely, I think we can find 22 bucks to help support the Veterans Ranch and the veterans who will benefit from it. So JR, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you again for coming on and sharing everything that the Veterans Ranch does. It's our pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Drive On Podcast. If you want to check out more episodes or learn more about the show, you can visit our website, driveonpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Drive On Podcast. 